Uh, let's get into the word. Well, I'll pray. Lord God, I just thank you for today. I thank you that, um, you know, you, you, you're just there for us. And uh, Lord, I just pray that we'll, we'll be more attentive to that. And even as this morning, as I, as I share this message, Lord, I, I just pray that each one of us will, will hear what you're saying to us individually. There'll be different parts of this message that will be relevant to different ones. And Lord God, I just pray that all the things that are right now in this room trying to stop us from interacting with you, I just pray they be gone in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that you would just, I don't care how we come into this space this morning, Lord God, I just pray that you speak in Jesus' name. Amen. You are the voice that we hear. It was great last week. I, I, was, um, I was actually in ISO last week, but um, I heard the message was, you must be born again. You must be born again. And it's always great when people respond to that message. And so I had people responding to that, responding to that message. I heard about it. I was stuck at home. And I thought to myself, you know, for the start of a year, for this point in the year, I don't remember a year when we've had more people um, um, being, taking their next step in Jesus or being excited about doing that than this year. And that really excites me for the future of our, of our town. It excites me for the future of our church. It excites me for the future of our country and what God is actually doing. I was just another pastor, a good friend of mine, he pastors in Charleville, was cruising through yesterday, and he was, we're just having a chat. He was looking at potentially using our facility for an event that he's planning, and we're just having a yarn out the front, and um, I was, we were chatting, and I just said, you know, I just love this thing that Rick Warren actually said many years ago. He said, you know, the job of, of, of churches and pastors, I suppose, and leaders isn't to create waves that we can, you know, that we can ride and see, you know, people get saved. The, the, the role of the church and, and pastors and leaders is actually finding the waves that God is, himself is creating and jump on them. And I really feel like, right, that's what's happening. God is creating an, like an undercurrent in our country right now. And it's just a great opportunity and great time to be alive. And I couldn't be more excited about being part of a family and a community that's committed to doing that. I just don't know why you would do this journey any other way. Anyway... We're going on this year with our theme, Go. We've been talking about the life of Moses. We've been talking about the characteristics that made Moses the best man for the job when it came to rescuing people out of oppression and slavery. And we're like, what can we learn from Moses? Because if Moses was the great rescuer, what can we learn from his story that would help us become great rescuers? So that's what we've been talking about now for probably a couple of months. And uh, uh, the title of this morning's message is God sees God sees so we're going to go to the passage we've been reading all year Exodus 3 1 to 10 some of you better quote it um, by the time I finished but here we go I think it's great to get this into our spirit and by the way just before I read this you know just this week so a couple of weeks ago I heard that somebody else had done their theme for the year basically from the same passage I shared that well just this week I had two people from our congregation text us text me and say hey Shane just listening to such some one of us world famous preachers says guess where he's preaching from this week yeah, Moses. And guess what his thought was? Now go, which is our theme for the year. I was like, and then someone else texts me something else from somewhere else. Like, this is a word for the hour, people. Why do I keep preaching? Why do I keep reading it to you? Because I believe this is what God is saying to the church. The church, not our church in Roma, the church. One day, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. And Moses stared in amazement. And though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. And this is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. 
And when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, just remember that. When the Lord saw Moses coming, God called to him from the middle of the bush. Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Verse 5, do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals for you're standing on holy ground. I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And when Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. In verse 7, then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've certainly seen it. I've heard their cries of distress. I've heard them because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of your suffering. I am aware. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, a land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Pezites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. Verse 9, look, at, look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I've seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, that's that now go thing, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. And this morning we're starting in verse 7, and we're finishing in verse 7. Um, we're only reading verse 7. Then the Lord told him, I've certainly seen the oppression of my people, in Egypt, I've certainly seen it. I've heard their cries. I've certainly heard it because of their harsh slave driver. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. Who's, if you, you, you know, this is not a hands up, it's rhetorical, but who's got like a, a mate or a cousin or, or something or brother from, from back in your, your, your young childhood and you, you get together every now and again, you share these dumb stories of the stupid stuff you used to do when you were really little, right? My cousin Lee is one of those. Um, he, when I was a young fellow growing up on a farm, they lived on a farm not far away. And we were thick as thieves. And even when they moved to um, the sunny coast, you know, a lot of our holidays were spent at their house. And one of the stories Lee loves to tell about the dumb things we used to do, uh, he always reminds, well, not always, but quite often reminds me that the time when at some point in my history, I was probably three or four, so the story's a bit jolly, sketchy, whatever, but... Um, we were just toddlers, and at that point in our history, I think we must have been, I mean, it was a tiny, must have been a tiny house, and they must have had this cupboards, group of cupboards that were, were dividing this room, and on one side of the cupboards was my sisters, that's where, I had two sisters, that's where they were, and on the other side was me and my brother, and anyway, Lee must have come over to play one day, and he, he, we worked out that if we pulled one of the drawers out of one of these cupboards, we could actually make our way into the girl's side of the room. And when you're three and you can get into the girl's side of the room, which is, is not a space that was forbidden, like that's pretty cool. Like we could probably steal a doll or something. I can't remember what the plan was. So we, 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 we're like, you know, we're conspiring as to how we can cause some damage to the girls, right? Um, these were my sisters and that probably never finished for me, but it probably did for him. But, but so we, we thought, we, we know what we're going to do. we like, what we need to do is we need to become invisible. So what we're going to do is we went into the kitchen and we pulled the, like, the bags out of the, like, the cornflakes and rice bubbles boxes. You know, they have the little bags inside there. We pulled them out and we got the cornflakes box. And, and I can't remember who it was. The other one had the rice bubbles box because that was kind of, in the 80s, that was kind of what breakfast was. It was either cornflakes or rice bubbles. There's all you two options on Wheat Bix, of course. Um, the Wheat Bix boxes were smaller. So we went for cornflakes and rice bubbles. And we put these boxes on our heads and we crawled through this gap. And the theory was if we cannot see these girls there's no way they can see us. Because we, we were completely invisible. 
And look, if you try that, the tr- you know, the cloak of invisibility, the trick is actually getting the, the cornflakes bags and the rice bubbles bags back into the box once your mum finds out, okay? So just be aware of that. But, you know, we were, we were so convinced that because we couldn't see my sisters, they couldn't see us. Here's the thing. Sometimes because we're not looking for God, we think He can't see us. Because we can't, we're not looking, we don't have a God awareness. We don't think God is seeing what's going on for us. Because we're not looking for Him, and so we think He's not looking for us. And here's the thing, to be honest with you, when you articulate it, we, we do it, we all do it. But when you think about it that way, it's as ridiculous as having a cornflakes box on your head, right? So this morning's message, as I said before, is God sees. Just throw that up for me. God sees. In, in this, this passage, when God's talking to Moses, the whole concept is he's saying to Moses, I've seen the Israelites suffering. Now, here's a little thing you need to know. The Israelites' suffering wasn't because they did the wrong thing. All right? It wasn't because they did the wrong thing. Someone's thinking, oh, you know, it's, you know, we've done the wrong thing, so now we're suffering, and, and that is, can be the case. But actually, it was the opposite was true for the Israelites. They'd done nothing but the right thing. What actually happened, the story, just, I'm gonna, just going to paraphrase like about 20 chapters of the Bible. What happened was there was this guy called Joseph, right? He's trying to do the right things, and um, his brothers didn't like him. And, you know, brothers pick on brothers, right? But here's, here's the thing. It's inappropriate to sell your brother or sister into slavery. Okay, that's a line you shouldn't cross, all right? Joseph's brothers did that to him. They actually sold him to these slave traders. Joseph ends up in, in, a, in a whole other country, Egypt. Joseph continues, catch this, catch this story. Get the vibe of this story. Joseph continues to do the right thing, even though he's continually wronged. He's wronged by his brothers. Like I said, that's a line you shouldn't cross. Don't sell your brother into slavery. And then he gets to, and he's, this, and he's a slave now, and he, keep, he gets falsely accused on a couple of different occasions, but he kept, keeps doing the wrong thing. He keeps following God. No matter what happens to him, he keeps following God. Now, here's how that story ends, if you want to know. It comes to a point where he just continues to choose, despite the circumstances, to keep following God. He ends up being the second most powerful person in the world. I'm not saying if you keep following God, you're going to be the second most powerful person in the world. But what I am saying is if you keep following God, you will begin to experience his power in your life, right? This is what happens for Joseph. Then what, happen, then what happens is, so Joseph is, is, is sort of the second most powerful guy there. And then um, where his family were living, there was a famine. And there's a long story. You can read about it yourself. It's in Genesis there towards the end. Um, and then his family comes to live in Egypt. Fast forward 400 years now. His family moves to Egypt because they're obedient to God, because God's in their world. They start to become what I'd call uber successful. The Israelites are starting to take over the world, right? And the Egyptians are all of a sudden like, well, these guys are going to take over if we continue to let them prosper. Why were they prospering? Why were they doing well? Because they were following God. So because they were following God, do you know what happens? The Egyptians put them into slavery. Do you see what's happening here? This is, this is, this is, they're in slavery through no fault of their own. They're actually following God. It's an amazing story. Because they were doing well, others became jealous. And I wrote this down. It's possibly the first recorded instance of tall poppy syndrome in national politics in world history. Because the Egyptians are like, we can't have this. We can't have these Israelites being so successful. So they put them into slavery. The, the Egyptians oppressed and enslaved God's people. Why did they enslave the Israelites? I'll tell you. They were threatened by them. 
You know, why do people reject the notion of God today? Because they're threatened by it. Why do people try and drag down those doing good? Because they're threatened by them. See, most things, most times when things aren't going according, you know, going right for us in our in our life, most times that happens. It's kind of on us. You know, it, it is. Let's be honest about that. I'll, I'll put my hand up and said most of the time things aren't going right for me. It's my fault. But there are times when slave, when we become enslaved and impressed and oppressed, and it's some totally other thing. So I just need to say that this morning. Sometimes we can be in a situation when we feel oppressed or things aren't working for us and whatever, and it's no fault of our own. It's no fault. It's just life, and sometimes it happens. 400 years of Israelite history was like that, all right? They were enslaved for being successful. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. A major mistake whether you feel like you're trapped because of your own poor choices or you feel like you're trapped because of just stuff happened, it would be a massive mistake to tell yourself or to let others tell you that no matter what happened, no matter how you got there, that God isn't aware of what's going on. In this short passage, when we read it from Moses, God actually mentions it to Moses twice. It's the only thing he talks about twice. He says, I've seen it, I've heard it, I know about it, I don't like it. And then about three verses later, we read it, the whole passage over a second ago. He says it again. He said, I've seen it. I know what's going on. It's the only thing he says twice. Why did he say it twice? Why is it so important for God, for Moses, sorry, for God, that Moses knows that he sees? Why is that so important to God? Well, it could be a lot of things, but I'm just going to mention two of them this morning I think two reasons that God thought this was important, and I think one of the reasons is we need accurate God proximity. We need to have a good knowledge of God proximity. What do I mean by that? Well, here's the thing. I don't think it matters if you're alive, you know, 3,200 years ago in ancient Egypt where they're still building, building pyramids, or you're alive in April 2022 in Australia for some reason. And I think, you know, for those of us who acknowledge God, I include everybody in this building in this. Sometimes we often subconsciously assume God is far off. Oh, yeah, God's, you know, God's not concerned about what's going on for me right now. You know, God's more, there's, there's stuff going on overseas. God's not, that's, that's, the opposite is true. I'm reading it to you again. I've certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. God wanted Moses to know that he wasn't this far off God. I'm, t- I'm not trying to train Israelites 3,200 years ago. I'm trying to talk to people in Australia in 2022. God's not a far off God. God is the God of the garden. God, when God created people, the concept was to walk with them in the garden. The concept was to walk beside them. The concept was to empower them. God's, God desires to walk with us. He sees. I think the other reason that God labored this point with Moses, he wanted him to have accurate perception. But then the second reason I think it, to Moses that he labored the point was because Moses was to be his spokesperson of deliverance, wasn't he? He was the guy that was going to rescue the Israelites. And God thought, you know what? You can't help people escape from slavery if you don't have the revelation that God sees. 
If you don't have a revelation of really who Jesus is, how are you going to rescue anybody else? If you're like, oh, God's far off, or God doesn't care about my situation today, or God doesn't care about what I've been going through for the last decade, if that's you, how are you going to rescue anybody? That's not God. That's so far, that's the opposite of God. You know, if our opinion of God, if our opinion of God is that, you know, he's in some far off heaven place, you know, getting a sponge bath from some angels and, and the earth falls apart, he, he wouldn't even care. You make a great ancient Greek, but you won't make a great Jesus follower if that's who you think Jesus is. See, if you want to represent Jesus, you need to understand who Jesus is. Do you know Jesus had real emotions? Do you know Jesus, it's recorded in the Bible that Jesus wept three times? And we, quite often we've heard, you know, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. You might have heard someone say that. Um, but he actually, there was three times it was recorded. Do you, know, do you know, want to know who he wept for? I don't tell you anyway. He re- there's three places. He wept once for a friend who had died. He wept another time once for Jerusalem not recognizing his visitation. Hey, they don't know I'm here. And he wept. But the most powerful one, most powerful moment when Jesus wept, so he wept once for a friend. He wept once for Jerusalem. But he also wept once for you. Did you know that? We don't think about it like that, do we? In the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before Jesus died. Now, I'll tell you what, the night before I died, I'm not thinking about you, okay? Just be aware. But the night before Jesus died, you know who he was, he was, he was crying for? He was crying for you. You've got to understand, Jesus sees. God sees. And whatever you are going through this morning, God sees. No matter what it is, God sees. And God sent me this morning because he wants you to know that he sees. And here's the thought for you this morning. He's more unhappy about the pain in your life than you are. Grasp that. He's more unhappy about the pain in your life than you are. And here's the thing. He wants the best for you. He's always wanted the best for you. Always. Since before you were formed, he's wanted the best for you. And he wants you to know that. And he wants you to know that lasting freedom, lasting freedom is a direct result of God's intervention. See, the the Israelites, they were doing the right thing. They were following God. They were prospering. You know, doing everything right. They still ended up, kept getting, just getting caught up in a fallen world. See, and, and God had to intervene. God had to intervene. You know, the whole Bible is a story. You know, I actually got this revelation a long time ago. Well, not only this year, actually. Last year, I got this revelation. I used to think, and some of you heard me say this before, I used to think the Bible was God's story. That's how I, do, I suppose it's, Sunday school might teach you that accidentally. And I thought, the Bible is the story of God. And you know what? I, just, I, was, I was at my desk last, late last year, and I got a revelation. The Bible isn't God's story. Bible's our story. The Bible's our story. Because if you look at the Bible, what happens? Man, you know, mankind's kind of doing its thing, and God heaps having to intervene. His story is way bigger. <laughs> he just keeps intervening, keeps intervening, keeps intervening. It is sometimes that, that mankind got itself into trouble by its own devices. 
And there's other times stuff just went pear-shaped and it's nobody's fault. It's just a fallen world. And God intervenes. And then Jesus sees something and he weeps and he intervenes. And Jesus sees a cripple and he intervenes. And Jesus sees a blind man and he intervenes. And Jesus turns up to a dead man's grave and he intervenes. It's just a story of intervention, this story of God connecting, this story of God seeing. See, the Bible's our story. The Bible is our story of God interacting with us. And lasting freedom is a direct result of God's intervention. Without God's intervention, there's no such thing. Until you've tasted God's freedom, you haven't tasted real freedom. I can guarantee you that. I can guarantee you that. And God wants you free of slavery. I'm talking to a church this morning. I'm not talking to the people on here. He has seen your oppression. Think about a few of these. I, I, can, mate, I, I can put my hand up for half of these. God wants you free of slavery. What are some slavery you might think, what is he even talking about this morning? Maybe it's this. Maybe slavery to materialism. Maybe slavery to anxiety. Maybe slavery to addictions, offenses. Maybe even slavery to social media, my goodness. Slavery to bad choices. So many times... I mean, Chad's communion story was amazing this morning where he said, you know, he had this, this plan for his life. It would, if he'd continued on that path, it just would have, even as he, he talked about, you know, that, that desire to, 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 I suppose, earn a, earn a living, doing what he loved, he was never designed to do that in the end. If he continued to pursue, God set him free from that and gave him something, such a bigger purpose, if we could be honest. Gave him a purpose that echoes in eternity. But we can get caught up in these other things and, 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 and we don't even realize. See, here, I wrote this, forgive me, but I wrote this this week. I see so many worried about government oppression, blissfully unaware that the government isn't doing nearly as good a job as we are at enslaving ourselves. I should have put that on the screen for you. I'm going to read it again. Doesn't that grieve your heart? You want to get upset about something? Get upset about this sentence. I see so many worried about government oppression, and I'm not saying it's not there, but I'm saying this, blissfully unaware that the government isn't doing nearly as good a job as we are at enslaving ourselves. But God sees. God sees. God sees where we're slowly enslaving ourselves, and here's the thing. You know what? I was just reading in my own personal journaling this week. I might finish with this thought. I don't know what else I've got. Um, but I'm going to finish with this story. Would you stand, actually? I was reading my... If you don't Bible journal, we really encourage that in this church. You're miss, I'm just going to say it really quickly. You're missing out big time. I was journaling this week, which all that means is I was reading my Bible, and I was writing down what God was telling me. And I was reading this story, and, and I was reading through... Because I've been reading about the story of Moses. I'm just, I'm just really obsessed at the moment with what God was doing through Moses. So I'm reading Moses' story, and, and if you, as you go on in that story, we, we might touch on it later in the year, but, but God's calling Moses, hey, you've got to go and rescue these people. And Moses is like, I can't do this, I can't do that, I'm hopeless at this, I'm hopeless at that. Um, welcome to everybody else God called in the Bible, Moses. Pity you were one of the first guys. If you'd read the word, you would have seen that's par for the course. But Moses is like, I can't do this, I can't do that. And he's just like, oh, you know, I'm so, you know, it's just, I'm not the right guy. But I just love this. You know what God says? This is for you this morning. God says, I've already sent Aaron. I've already sent the rescuer. Before you even knew you had a problem, 
I've actually sent help. Isn't that amazing? That is a con- That is a thought for everyone in this house this morning. God's like, God's saying to you this morning, we sent a rescuer. You've only now just become aware of what's going on, but don't matter. I was aware of this eons ago. I already sent a rescuer. It's a word for each one of us this morning. Would you, would you, I just want to pray. Would you just close your eyes? I'm so passionate about seeing people connect with faith, and I'm so passionate about seeing, seeing people resourced and just live life free. You know, I'm just sick of people, sick of seeing, sick of it in my own life. Just sick of people just, you know, it's just like, wow, why would you do that to yourself? Why would you go through life without the Holy Spirit? Like, seriously, why? Lord Jesus, oh God, we're just so humbled. Imagine what Moses was thinking. Imagine what Moses was thinking. God just turns up and says, bang, burning bush, send, him, send this guy, you're going to appear before the great, you know, the most powerful man in the world, and he's going to bear, he's going to just do whatever you say. Like imagine the humbling experience it was. And God, this morning, just to, just to hear this morning that you've already sent the rescuer. You're more concerned about us than we are. You're more concerned about seeing us being empowered and living eternally and living for real stuff and living for meaning and not just wasting our lives. Like God, you're more, so much more passionate about that than us. Lord, I just want to pray this this morning. I just want to pray this over the whole congregation. Look, could we could just pick up some of your passion for us, for ourselves. Some of your desires, some of the things that you see in us that are world-changing. Like, seriously, if we could just get a little bit of what you have for us, Lord God, and how, how, how you know what the change agent that we could become. Not for ourselves, but for others and the people around us. And Lord, that we'd be fully a Holy Spirit. Lord, that we desire the fruit of the Spirit. We desire to know you because there's just so much pain out there. So much stuff, it just doesn't need to happen. God, I pray that you would just give us a passion to live lives of meaning and you know in the eternal and just lives that lives that matter eternally. Look, God, we're honored to be in the house, but we're also challenged. We're just like, wow, didn't know. Lord, I just pray this morning that this week everyone's going to have an opportunity to have that moment where it's like, oh, God's far off. He doesn't, he's not aware of what's going on. Lord God, I pray in that moment that two words would come to our, come to our attention. God sees. God sees. God 